There's a promise in the Bible, God's precious holy word, that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And today I claim that promise, trusting him for peace of mind. He's the God that through the ages has stood the test of time. What a blessed This world's fierce raging battle, I will trust him more and more. I dare not take one step without him till this fleeting life is o'er. For that hand that holds tomorrow, that same hand is placed in mine. Praise his name throughout the ages, God stood the test of time. What a blessed assurance to know I'm his and he's mine. What a sweet consolation when he tells me I'm his child. How could I ever doubt it? Mountains yet too hard to climb. He's the God of all mountains to the test of time. And what I've been given, my family and friends, all the blessings from heaven, the Father above has lovingly showered on me. I feel overwhelmed and so undeserving to think of His goodness and wonderful mercy. My heart fills with praise and I can't help but joyfully sing. It's not that this road has always been easy, but he's been faithful and he'll never leave me. I find sweet peace and assurance within his word. My cup's overflowing, I'm living in favor, abundant provision from the hand of the Savior. I lift my voice and forever I'll praise his name. I have got to thank for everything that 
died all for me. He left his home up above. All for me, he suffered so. All for me, so I could go to live with him someday. Jesus Christ was born in a land so far away. All for me, he left his home up above. All for me, suffered so. All for me, so I could go to live with him someday. All for me, he left his home up above. All for me, suffered so. All for me, so I could go to live with him someday. All for me, he suffered so. still chewing on all of that. I appreciate those men that stood for David, those men that fought for David, those ones that taught us to fight until. I appreciate the little time the Lord gave us Wednesday night. I appreciate. And um, someone said after service, said, man, it was a, a great spirit. And I said, that's what we need. And that makes preaching a whole lot easier, Brother Evan, when there's good spirit. And uh, sometimes it ain't easy to preach at a, at a funeral or a preach at a in a chapel of a funeral home, but it ought to be easy to preach when we come to the house of God. I'm thankful this morning uh, for the liberty of God. I'm thankful. Listen, I'm nervous this morning uh, for multiple reasons. Number one, because I got the green light last night about 10 o'clock to preach this morning, and uh, that's, that's fine, and I, I'm thankful for that. But I'm also nervous because I've already preached this message here before, and I'm nervous for a couple of reasons because somebody's probably going to come up to you after service and say, man, we've never heard that before, and you were here the first time I preached it, and, uh, and I'm just kidding, but... I actually, I preached this message, I think it was three years ago. We were in the gymnasium down there, the Family Life Center, as Brother Gammons calls it, and we were in the middle of, of battling with the dreaded C word, and, and God gave me liberty. And uh, I battled with it for a few minutes last night, Brother Harold, but I realized with all my heart I'd be a fool not to preach exactly what God told me to preach. And if we ever need to be reminded of something, this is what we need to be reminded of this morning. And believe it or not, if you don't listen this morning, I'm going to preach it again tonight. I'll be at Temple in Mount Airy tonight with their youth program, so you pray for me about that. And so if you're not listening this morning or you miss a note, I'm just kidding, you better be here supporting Brother Evan. But uh, you, if, I, if I see you up there and you're not here, then I'm going to call you out in service. But I appreciate Brother Evan uh, covering the pulpit tonight. And all those that have a hand, and, and it's just going to be a great, great time today in the Lord's house. So even if you've already heard this before, even if I start reading, I encourage you, don't close your Bible. Because the Bible is the one book, Brother Cain, that never exhausts itself. How many's ever heard of Jonah and the whale before? 
Man, I've, I've read that fish inside and out. I know that fish's name. I know where he lives. I know what he likes. I mean, I think the goldfish is modeled after that, that whale. But you realize somebody can take a text, just like Brother Gravely did this week. And, and he preached a message on Thursday night with Rick Gravely there at Foothills. Talked about Paul and setting, told him to basically, just paraphrasing, to cut that lifeboat loose and stay with the ship. He said, you'll be far better off in life when you start cutting your lifeboats. And I sit there and listen to that, and I said, but then why did I not think of that message? I mean, I've read that a thousand times. Why did I not think of that? I said that to say, to say this. You may be in Genesis 13 this morning. You may have been there. It may be colored every color of highlighter you can have in your Bible. But I believe with all my heart we serve a God big enough to give us something this morning, to remind us of something, and that's what we need him to do this morning. I've learned this, Brother Nick, that again, our pastor says, the more I learn about the Bible, the more I realize I don't know about the Bible. So I encourage you, I encourage you to pray for me this morning. We're praying for you, and it's a blessing to see you this morning. Genesis chapter number 13 is where I want to draw from this morning. We're going to read the text, and then we'll give you what God has for us, and then we'll go home and begin the day's activities preparing for Bible school. All right, Genesis 13, verse number 1. Bible says, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and a lot with him into the south. Let me stop right there just for a second. We're going to read down to verse number 12, I believe, this morning. But to kind of get you where we are, if you look directly across your page, or at least just across the page in my Schofield, you'll realize that the reason they went down into Egypt was because of a famine. But just as you find in the book of Ruth, there was never instructions from God, Brother Evan, to go down in the land of Egypt. And every time you see the word Egypt in the Bible, we can think of not good things, but we can think of bad things. So no doubt there's catastrophe fixing to happen in the life and the family of Abraham because of a decision that they made. Now, I understand time of panic. I understand that if they, uh, listen, we live in the south. If somebody says it's going to snow in a month, we're out of bread and we're out of milk. I mean, it's just amazing. I think sometimes the dairy farm sometimes makes the weather because they want to sell milk. They just say, man, just tell them it's going to snow in July and we'll sell out of milk. And I've also realized when you run out of milk, go to the gas station. Nobody ever thinks about the gas station selling milk. The gas station's always got milk. So that ain't got nothing to do with the message this morning. But I, I do tell you this morning, man, they went to Egypt in a, in a time of panic because there was a famine. But the Bible says they went down into Egypt. And though Abram and his wife Sarah came out, their family never came out the same. Lot never came out the same. There were some things that he picked up, and why we preach so hard to our young people in our church and our pastor labels so hard, because there's certain areas you can go into in your life, and you can come out, and you may come out, but you'll never come out the same. Now, I encourage you to realize that this morning. Verse number 2, the Bible says, And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver and in gold, and he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai. And to the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And then and there Abram called unto the Lord. Verse number 5. And Lot also went with Abram and his head flocks and had herds and tents. And the lamb was not able to bear them and they might dwell together. For their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between, Abram's, the, herdmen of, 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 between the herdmen excuse me, of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Pazarite dwelled in the lamb. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between thee and me, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Verse number 9, the Bible says, It was, is not the whole land before us, separate, or before thee, separate thyself, I pray thee from me, that if I will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. And if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Notice verse number 10, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered and uh, everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, there it is, as, come, as thou comest out into Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plains of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east and separated themselves, the, the one from the other. Notice verse number 12, our last verse. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities and the plains, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Lord, we thank you this morning for loving us. I thank you for your Bible. I thank you for your scripture. I thank you for the opportunity to point to stand and preach. I thank you, God, for our pastor. And I pray a special protection about him and his family now in this time in their life. I pray, God, you'd help them. I pray, God, that you would see great things come from, from all uh, things in life. God, I pray, God, you'd uplift hearts this morning. I pray you bless us this morning as we dive into your scriptures just for a brief second this morning. I pray for this week coming up in Bible school and everything that's going on. We'll thank you and we'll praise you. In your name I pray. Amen. I take a text out of Genesis chapter number 13 this morning, Hoyt, and though it's been preached many times before, it's almost like a warning, or it's almost like a, a, a road sign. And I know someone, and uh, Brother Nick, I almost brought it, but I was afraid he'd give me a ticket. I know someone that owns a stop sign. I did not acquire it, but somebody in my family did. And I only have one brother, so you just decide who, uh, he had uh, a pass, so you can deal with Miss Wendy on that. But I, I almost called him and said, hey, can I borrow that? 
And uh, he's going to say, man, the sheriff comes to your church. I ain't giving you my, my stop sign. But, but either way, he's going to kill me when he finds out. But I said I was going to put it right up here this morning, but I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to incriminate my brother, but I can tell you where he lives, Brother Nick, if you need to know. But I, I said, man, I, I, said, I said, that's what we are as a church. Sometimes a church is a hospital. Sometimes, Brother Evan, we come in, and, and, and the church is a hospital. We have people that come in, and they're not bleeding physically, but, man, their hearts just pouring out spiritually, and they're looking for something. And, man, it's a blessing to have a church. And someone said before, Brother Brian, how in the world do y'all get all these people here in the middle of a cornfield and a mansion that don't belong in East Bend on this side? And somebody asked me one time, I said, is that y'all's parsonage? I said, have you lost your mind? I said, that ain't no parsonage. But, I mean, if it is, that's fine. We'll all just move in there together. We'll never even know nobody lives there. But I... Um, Anyway, but it's, uh, I think about, man, our church is so many things to so many people. Sometimes it's an incubator. Sometimes we have new believers that come. And I thank God for those that's been saved this year. And our church for them is just to teach them how to be a Christian. How, how, to, how to grow. He said, but Brandon, they don't know. Well, they're not going to know if we don't have a church here how to be a Christian, how to, how to live for Christ, how to grow in Christ, how to, how to, how to have a, a heart for Christ. I said again this week, Brother Gravely said that he, he was a bus kid. He started riding the church on the bus. He said, man, the only reason they come to church is because they feed you. Well, thank the Lord somebody feeds us on Wednesday night. He said the other night, he said, Brother, Brother Kevin, he said, the first time I came to church is because they said he's going to have the Lord's Supper. And he said, I ain't had a good meal all week. He said, I come to church that night, took the lid off. He said, a bunch of crackers in the bottom of that pan. He said, man, I could eat this whole thing and still not be full. But he kept coming. So sometimes our church is an incubator. Sometimes our church is a, a breeding ground. Sometimes, sometimes our church is just a refuge. Go outside and someone comes in. It's almost like they've got arrows sticking all in them and spears and, and knife wounds. And they've been beat to death. And they just need somebody to come by on a Wednesday night or a youth program or a Sunday morning or Sunday night just where they can sit down and breathe just for a second and not worry about anything else and, and not worry about what's going on outside. And sometimes it's just a refuge. Sometimes, I'm not going to preach hard on this, sometimes our, our church is, is, a, is an arena. We don't need to have that. But you say this back and forth and, and not arguing with each other, but we're a constant battle against this world. Sometimes our church also is a warning station. Sometimes our church is just like that stop sign or just like right now. And you may be okay to go across the Donahall Bridge now. I wouldn't recommend it. You're probably going to get a ticket. But I'm just saying I think you can make the jump at the end. There's enough dirt there now you can make it. But there's a time, Brother Nikki, that that bridge was out, that those signs were there. And it, the sign may have just looked like a little post, Brother Matt, that just said rose closed, and it didn't really mean anything. Those cones were there. But had they not put them there, and it had been a dark night and a rainy night, the other day it was raining, you couldn't even see the yellow lines on the road. But had there been no signs, somebody more than likely would have drove off that bridge and drove into the Akron River. Brother Brandon, why are those signs there? Well, those signs are there. Brother Evan, just like this morning, to warn people, do not go this way. Road closed, bridges out, whatever it may be, tree down. They're there because they're a warning. Can I remind you this morning, just for a second, this morning at our church, I just simply want to be a warning because I believe with all my heart, every time God starts building momentum, tragedy's on the way. Every time God begins to build something, you've seen it in church just as much as I've seen it in church. Brother Brandon, things are going, listen, you want to know when our pastor's nervous is when everything's going really good. Because when everything's going really good is when something bad could potentially be on the horizon. Seems like also in our house, sometimes you get a check in the mail. It don't happen often, but maybe the government sends you a check that says you paid us too much money. That don't happen. Me and Miss Christie got a check one time. I'm not kidding, for a dollar and 40 cents. She said, what are we going to do with it? I said, I'm not going to cash it just to mess up their books. Now, a bookkeeper would love that. I said, this is something wrong. If I cash this, it's going to cost me a $20 in taxes to take this dollar and 40 cents. But sometimes you get something in the mail and you, somebody bless you. Maybe you get a bonus at work that's $800. And everybody's like, man, I'm excited. I'm not because the washing machine or something's fixing to break. The refrigerator's fixing to break. When you get extra money in the Jones house, something's happening. Something's going to break. Can I tell you this morning with all our hearts, said, Brother Brandon, we're going into the highlight of our, our year. We're going into Bible school. We're going into teen camp. We're going into fall revival. We're going into youth revival. We're going into all this stuff. Can I just warn you this morning, if there ever ought to be a time that you have your guard, not necessarily up, scared of everybody else, but at least, at least conscious of where we are, it's this morning. Genesis chapter number 13, Brother Wayne, reminds me of a story. And again, I've shared this before, but I, I think often about life tragedies or things that's happened in our nation. And no, uh, no doubt, the, 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 the ups and down times of a building a nation, there's good times, there's dark times, there's happy times. But in, in, in 1889, many of you know this, when I preached it before, you may already know it in your mind because you love to study history as I do. But 
But the Johnstown flood, or the local flood of, of 1889, occurred on May 31st, 1889, after the catastrophic failure of the South Fork Dam. Located in the South Fork of the, of the Little River, 14 miles upstream from the town of Jonestown, or Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Now, I've never been there before. Some of you may have been there, but that dam broke that day in 1889, several days after several days of extreme heavy rainfall, releasing 14.55 million cubits of water. Now, many of you look at that and say, well, how much water is that? That's a lot of water. That's a lot. That's almost like, that's almost like I, I would say that it'd be fun to get in your kayak on a, in, a, in a swimming pool and somebody job a hole in the pool and you ride your kayak across the yard. I wouldn't recommend doing that either, but a lot of water at one time is never good. But it broke that day, and Brother Devin, with a volumetric flow rate that temporarily equaled the average flow rate of the Mississippi River. Now, could you imagine sitting at a, a picnic below that dam or that day or, or something, and all of a sudden, and not, not just a little bit, not just a little bit at a time, but all at once, the Mississippi River flowing through your, your living room. That's catastrophic. That's, there's nothing you can prepare for. There's nothing you can do. I mean, there's no sandbags. There's no buoys. There's no, there's no flex tape. I see that flex tape commercial now where they seal that house. Any of y'all seen that? They seal that house. Then they flood the house up to the door handles, proving that tape holds the water out. That tape ain't going to hold the water out due to a flood. Amen. Flex tape, my seal, your seal, or whatever else seal, it ain't going to happen. But they think about that day, and, they're, they're, and, they're, and I know he said, but the brand, there was nothing that they could do. That The dam just couldn't hold it anymore. It killed more than 2,200 people. And notice it's accounted, Brother Wayne, for $17 million of damage in 1889. If you were to equate that when this article was written in 2019, it was about $484 million in damage. And many of you that deal with public budgets and Brother Nick and others in this church, it's hard to swallow $484 million of damage that happens in a matter of seconds. In a matter of seconds, everything was good, and then everything went bad. And just a second, say, Brother Brandon, it's a horrible story. Well, can I tell you, this story is horrible, but it parallels perfectly with Genesis chapter number 13, because what I'm seeing in Lot's life right now, I can see it. Miss Savannah, you can see it, but Lot couldn't see it. It's almost like if we were sitting here today, and if this had been written, and we're screaming at Lot on the pages of our Bible. Malachi, we're looking at Lot this morning, and if he could hear me, it almost like me saying this morning, hey, look out. Hey, watch out. Hey, you're headed in the wrong direction. Hey, you don't know what's coming in chapter number 14 and 15, but we do that's read it. Man, you're headed for destruction. You're headed for a mess. I want to preach this morning just for a second. And many of you, again, you may have these notes, but I can't do anything else this morning other than what God told me to. But I want to preach just for a few lightning seconds on this thought, the five D's of destruction. There's five words in this passage that all start with the letter D that destroyed the life of, so the life of Lot. Destroyed his family. Our pastor preached from this text not long ago of how, man, when I, and I'll get ahead of myself, but how Lot came out of, uh, out of Sodom. God spared his life, but Sodom never came out of Lot. If I could encourage you this morning as a church, say, Brother Brandon, I'm here as a visitor. I'm here as a, a member. I've been here forever. I've been here longer than you've been alive. I've got some of you got socks older than me, and I understand that. But understand this this morning. If there's ever been a time that we ought to not close our eyes to the dangers of this world, the dangers that's coming for them, the dangers that's coming for you, it is for us. Because I dare to say that morning, Brother Mike, no doubt on that dam, I wonder if there was somebody that was in charge that day of the dam. If you go to the Hoover Dam, they don't, they don't just put that thing up and say, well, we'll come check on you in 50 years. There's a full-time staff that's on staff there, Park and Recreations at the Hoover Dam to make sure everything is good. No doubt they take daily inspections. They walk across that dam, Brother Nick, and they, they look at it. And if they see a crack, they don't just put flex seal on it. They call somebody. They, they, they shut it down. They don't just go across and say, man, that water is getting a little bit higher, and, and those bolts are busting. And I, I think about all those movies, and I know Hollywood's fake, but, man, I get nervous even going to Ripley's Aquarium. You get inside that water tank, and, man, you're hoping and praying. That shark looks really good above my head. But if one of them bolts starts turning or water sprays out, I am exiting the building. I've said before I love being a youth pastor, and we take them there quite often. Me and Brother Allen, we've, been, we've seen them fish 19 or 20 times during our teenage years. I, can, I know which fish is where by the name. I know who his grandpa is. I know all the fish by name. But I love young people, but I ain't wanting to drown to death with a bunch of young people. I'm leaving. And if your kid chooses to run with me, then so be it. If they don't, then so be that too. I'm not, I'm not staying there. It's a warning sign. An alarm would go off. 
a, a warning of, of that dam fixing to open up, or even now if they open up a dam in Iredale County or wherever, there's a siren that goes off. There's a light bulb that goes off that says, hey, we're fixing to discharge the water, Brother Devin. We're fixing to, to give way and relieve some pressure. I wonder on that day, and I'm just using my, my imagination this morning, Brother Wayne, but I wonder as that dam began to pop into crack, I know that it, wouldn't, it may not have been fully concrete, it may have had stone in it, but somewhere or another the first pebble let loose. Or another one let loose, and water began to spray out. And something moved, something shifted. Somebody just may have seen it, but they didn't have technology. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have the Internet. They didn't have Facebook or whatever else that you use. They couldn't get the word out. But I wonder if someone started yelling as fast as they could, running through the town, hey, look out, the dam's fixing to break. Hey, look out, it's fixing to let go. Get to high ground. Get to where you can go. I wonder if somebody, no doubt, if there was anybody there who had a heart that day, they'd begin to scream, they'd begin to wonder, they'd begin to, to announce that devastation was coming. Well, if I look at Genesis 13 this morning, I begin to look at these pages, and it, I almost literally, Brother Allen, want to start screaming at Lot, look out, devastation's coming. But the sad reality is, he can't hear me. This has already happened. But the ones that can hear me this morning are sitting in front of me in the sanctuary, my family, those watching online, and myself. Let me tell you, just as quickly as it could happen for Lot, it can happen to us in our life. I don't mean to use someone's life as a billboard. I know the Bible says in the New Testament that he was a righteous man, but right now Lot is fixing to enter in to Brother Malachi the worst time of his life, and he's walking into it willingly. More important than that, he's taking his family with him. So I'm telling you this morning, Brother Dalton, with all my heart, if I could warn you this morning on five areas that will lead to destruction really quick. It's 15 minutes to 12. I'm going to do my best, Brother Evan. Not be much past that, so let's go, all right? The first thing I think about, I want to be a roadblock. I want to sound the alarm. Malachi is uh, scared to death of thunderstorms. When a thunderstorm comes, Malachi is ready to go in front of the bed. In East Bend, we have a toilet on a stick. Anybody ever seen it before? It looks just like a commode turned sideways. When that thing goes off, the other night, one of the worst times that's ever happened, Brother Nick, we were at the gas station getting gas, and it went off. We were right beside it. And all of a sudden, my kids is in the car and everything's good. And I think it starts going off. Malachi's like a hamster in a cage in that car trying to get out of there. Thinking, we got enough gas. Let's get to the house and get in the basement. That thing goes off and it's loud. I can hear it at my house. But they can hear it at the dairy. You can hear it all over East Bend. And all their warning is, hey, listen, pay attention. Look at the weather. Something's fixing to happen. This morning, if I had a siren playing through this place this morning, I just want to remind you that the devil wants us to end up in destruction. But God, God has given us a warning from his scriptures this morning. The first word I think about this morning, Miss Savannah, that starts with the letter D quickly, that will lead to destruction is distance. Brother Brandon, what do you see distance? Distance, by definition, is separating yourself, Brother Evan, by separating yourself from the will and the protection of God. Verse number 9 of our text, look at your Bible. The Bible says, it's not, this is Abraham speaking to Lot, it's not the whole land before thee. Notice the next two words. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. And I will take, if y'all will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. And if thou depart to the right hand, I will go to the left. So, but the Brandon, there was no room. There was just, it is what needed to be done. But little did Abraham know, but Kevin, at this moment, when he instructed Lot to separate himself, it would begin the destruction of Lot's life. You see, where Abraham was, there God was. Where Abraham was and the altars that Abraham built, God was. The Bible didn't ever say in this text, but Evan, that Lot built an altar. It didn't ever say that Lot spoke to God. Everything that Lot knew about God, Brother Dalton, was summed up in his uncle by the name of Abraham. So the very second that Lot began to distance himself from Abraham, Lot's life was fixing to be in trouble. I think about that word distance, Brother Mike, the, the extent or amount of space between two things, points, lines, or etc. The state of fact of being apart in space or the one thing from another or, or remoteness. That verse simply tells us that Abraham instructed him to separate himself. Can I remind you this morning quickly that when we begin to separate ourselves from the protection and the power of God, we're headed for destruction. Understand this, I don't know a lot, but I do know this. Every decision, Brother Devin, that I've ever made that was bad for me or my family or me or our church or my life in general is when I was away from God. Every decision. When I've separated myself, Miss Janet, from the things of God, the people of God, the man of God, every single time. When I leave the protection and the power of the Lord, we're headed for destruction. We must daily be aware of our surroundings, making sure that we draw nigh to Christ and not away from Christ. When Lot allowed himself to separate from God's protection and power, destruction was soon to follow. 
Say, Brother Brandon, what has that got to do with my life? Can I encourage you in these days, 2023, leading into the summer, half the year is already gone, leading into 2024, if there's ever been a time that we ought to be faithful, not only to the house of God, but just the presence of God, it is today in our life. Brother Brandon, life is so busy, you're telling me. Brother Brandon, there's a million things going on, I understand that. Brother Brandon, there's so much that I've got to do, but let me tell you, let me warn you, and I don't want to be the one that calls you when you, when you say, Brandon, my, my, my family's a mess, or, or I'm in a mess, or my, or, my, or, or my marriage is in a mess, or, or we're just in a mess. I don't ever want to be the preacher that says, and I would never say this, say, Brother Harold, I told you so. Don't you remember me telling you, but I can, I can warn you this morning, if there ever ought to be a time that you bring your family to the house of God, it is today. There ever ought to be a time that you find yourself not only next to the man of God and, and nudging up to people. You say, Brother Brandon, he preaches on things that hurts my feelings or I don't like. Or, man, I go to this revival meeting, that preacher was hard on me and that preacher was hard on this or hard on that. If there's ever been a time, Brother Harold, that I want to make sure that my four, even if there's no more, but my four is in the house of God, it is the day that we're living because distance will lead to destruction. The father Lot walked away from Abram. The closer he walked towards Satan and Satan's plan. I preach a message, and I said, again, I use it as a reference often, but I got a message back there in my office of a, a white fence that's signed by teenagers, and one of the points that morning was distance that day at the Winter Challenge as that prodigal son walked away from the family farm, and he walked away from that fence, which was the decision point in his life. The farther he got away, the less he could hear the cry of the father. The father, he got away. Maybe he got through the front yard, Brother Harold, and he heard the dad saying, listen, you don't have to go. 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 But by the age of the father that he walked away, the more distance that sound got until he couldn't even hear it anymore. And all that he's seen was what the world had to offer. My family, Brother Kane, we're weird. We like to go to Best Buy and walk around. I love electronics. Malachi Josiah, one, calls it the electricity store. I don't know if that's true or not, but and Josiah has one thing he likes in there. Malachi goes to the video games and different things. Josiah walks in. He sees those TVs on those back walls. Man, he is amazed. We get back there. He turns the surround sound on. It's blowing his hair back. I mean, it's just, and all it is is National Geographic is some kind of meerkat licking another meerkat or a prairie dog popping his head up. He's sitting Indian style, Brother George, just looking up in amazement because this is the biggest TV he's ever seen. And the price tag is $7,000 for the TV. So if he wants to watch it, we got to go to Best Buy because it ain't coming to my house. But he sees that. Man, it don't matter. They had Spider-Man on there. It's just the surroundness. And it does kind of capture your, you can feel it, your heart pulsing because it's so good of speakers back there. They do that for a reason. They want you to buy that $7,000 TV. I mean, it looks like you could just touch that meerkat on that screen. But he's just amazed. What happens if when he walks in that store, there's, there's candy, there's drinks, there's cell phones, there's everything. But what catches his eye? draws him to it can i tell you the longer you think about billboards and everything else that you see in your life the longer you look at the world the more you're going to want the world the longer you stare at the world the more you're going to want it and it's almost like a magnet you know, that riptide at the coast when you get in sometimes it's so hard to get back out because all you've seen what they offered and the distance begin to ruin your life i believe first of all this morning that lot shows us that distance was something that was going to lead into destruction when he separated from the man of god now, I know this as much as, and, I, and I'm not a pastor, I'm a youth pastor, but I'm not the pastor of this church. But every, every single time, every, every single time that I've seen a young person, or I've seen a family, or I've seen something, or I've seen someone that I love, or I've seen another person that, that, that's made a bad decision, every, every single time I've seen that, it's because somewhere, somewhere or another, they've walked away from the things of God, they've walked away from the man of God. And I encourage you this morning, say, Brother Brandon, we're going into a highlight week. Well, can I warn you, don't allow distance to ruin your life. Not only distance this morning, but quickly, I think also about diluting. Diluting is the second D. Making God's commandments and words mean what we want them to mean. Genesis chapter number 13, verse number 13. Look at the, look at the verse here. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Sodom was a known bad place. But Lot somehow talked his himself into going, and he found some way to rationalize it. He found some way to make it sound okay. Now, many times in our life, and I've done the same thing, when I really want to do something, I find a reason to make it sound like I need to do it. I need to buy this gun. I need to buy something else. This is going to benefit my family if I buy this. I may have 10 more, but this one's the one that's going to protect us if somebody breaks into my house. Without this one, I don't have it. It could be a boat. It could be a lawnmower. It could be a tractor. It could be a dress. I don't buy dresses, but it could be Miss Christie, whatever the reason. I've got to have this because... We find ways to make a situation 
match what we need it to be. But I think about that word deluding, making something or something a, a weaker force or, or content or value by modeling it or, or adding other elements to it. Basically, we're modifying it. The Bible said in verse number 13, the men of Sodom were wicked. For the island, they were sinners before the Lord exceedingly. That should have been a big enough warning sign that this is a place that a child of God that's walking with the man of God should not go. But he had every reason because of what the world showed. The verse says that Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw. He, he seen it. It was drawing him. So whatever it took, he was going to make sure that he got there. Lot had been raised right. He'd been taught right. He'd been shown right. But when he allowed the enemy to offer him things, of worldly pleasure, he began to allow his life and he allowed his mind to dilute God's standards and boundaries. Now you tell me this morning quickly that he never heard Abraham say about, hey, why we don't live in Sodom, or why we don't go there, or why we're not allowed to go there, or why we shouldn't be there, or why this is wrong and this is right. And just like young people and adults that sit in church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, Brother Nick, and they know what's right, they know what's wrong, but every once in a while when we fall into something, we find a way to make it rationalize we find a way to justify our actions there's three truths about diluting quickly once you dilute something it will never be the same never be the same miss christy and i we we, we look at our finances every week and man soft drinks and drinks they're expensive and malachi takes his lunch to to school if you hadn't bought gatorade lately i mean gatorade's expensive and uh when you send two a day to, to lunch i think man you got that can you go two days without drinking anything because this cost me a fortune but you're sitting in two today, and we're spending $70, $80 a week in drinks, just in drinks. You see one in the house with a lid open half. I'm just as guilty as I open drink over here, open drink over there, and, and, and we're just wasting money. So Christy began to say, we're going to, we're going to go back 30 years. We're going to start drinking Kool-Aid at the house. And we're going to buy him one bottle, and for a year, we're going to, I'm just kidding, but we're going to fill that thing up with, with Kool-Aid and send it. Well, she goes to the store, and I'm not belittling her. She buys the pre-made Kool-Aid mix that comes with sugar already in it. I drank some the other night. It was disgusting. Why is that? When I grew up at Christine Spears' house down on, um, off Liberty Church Road, on Bear, Creek, on Bear Creek Road, when she used to make Kool-Aid, the pitcher started with about three inches of white sugar in the bottom of that thing. If it, if it wasn't that much sugar, and I know you help people saying, you have clogged arteries. I'd rather die drinking good Kool-Aid than die starving to death. But she'd make, I mean, I'm talking about that it was that. When she stirred it, it was like stirring concrete to begin with. But when she got done, you drunk it. That's Kool-Aid. So that's what our kids are going to have, by the way. I'm boycotting this other stuff. I'm going to start mixing it. Listen, I'm going to say this is healthy. We're going to go this much. We're going to put that much sugar in the bottom of that thing. You know what, what happens is I drunk that expecting the, 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 the childhood memories to flow back into my mind, but it didn't. Go to a restaurant to sit down to eat somewhere and you order sweet tea and you're so thirsty and the first thing you drink and it's unsweet, that is an abomination to God. I mean, it is terrible. I mean, I don't, I don't get ugly because I deal with the public. Brother Kane, I don't say anything. All I say was, can I please trade this for a Coke or Pepsi? And they say, can we try again? I'm thinking, no, because I ain't doing that again. It's awful. And it don't matter, Brother Josh, whether there's a whole packet of sugar on the table. It don't matter how much that stuff you put in that. Once it starts wrong, you cannot make it right. And I tell you this morning, all my heart, you say, Brother Brandon, why is it so important to have Bible school? Why is it so important to invest all this money and youth and everything else? Because if they don't start right, they're not going to end right. If they don't start right here this week, they're not going to end right. So, Brother Brandon, is it really going to make a difference in their life? If we start them with something that's fake, if we start them with something that's not real, if we start them with something that's not appetizing in their life, the world's always going to have something better. Once you dilute something, it can never be the same. Once something is diluted, its strength is weakened. You can't have it. Brother Cain, you run dozers every day. Brother Jason, you run dozers every day. If you've got a part on that dozer that's broken, that's weak, you can't trust it. You get so aggravating to get out. And I've seen many of you before. I remember one time, Brother Dalton, you'll say amen to this. Your tie rod in broke on your lawnmower. You could pop that tie rod in back on there all you want to. It's going to pop back off. I mean, you could bell or twine it. You could put bubble gum in there, whatever. Once it's broke, it's, it's just not good for anything. There's nothing aggravating to picking up something wanting to use it and it not performing the way you want to use it. When you dilute something, it'll never be the same. Brother Brandon, why in the world does our preacher preach out of the Bible we preach out of? Because I'm telling you, if you dilute something, it'll never be the same. Why does our choir take the books and sing like we're singing? Because if you dilute something, it'll never be the same. Brother Brandon, you're preaching against everything that's new. I'm not necessarily this morning preaching against everything that's new. I know technology is great. We use it greatly. But I'm telling you, if we ever lose the fact of what's true in our Christian life, we're headed for destruction. Diluting. Once you dilute something, its value is diminished. I say this, moving on to the next one. I think about a diamond. And uh, let's just use the who's getting married next. Carson and Kylie, I guess y'all are next on the docket. And... Uh, I'm just kidding, but 
But, but you think about, man, Kylie, she is way out of his league. I mean, she, 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 she's got him by, and Brother Adrian's saying amen, I tried to tell her. But, uh, but if Carson says, man, I, I, I really want her to say yes, and I'm going to go to Africa and buy her a diamond. I mean, I'm going to run through the forest of Africa and get her a diamond. Rambo's there, everybody's there, and he gets a diamond. I mean, it's as big as a Spalding basketball. He comes back across the line, and they say, well, you can go back into America, but we need half of that diamond. And he, he says, fine. He gives him half that diamond. He's still got a big one. He comes into the next border. They take half. They take half. He gets home, and that thing's the size of a fruity pebble because he's given everybody part of it. Now, she may still accept it, and he can tell her he may have bullet holes in him from going to get it and cut marks, but it's not the same. Let me tell you what the Lord, what Satan wants more than anything else is to take your life, and little bit by little bit, Devin, to chop off pieces, saying, you know what? You can, you can still go to church. You can still first serve the Lord, but, man, don't do this. Definitely don't go to Bible school. Definitely don't go to teen camp. Definitely don't do this. Definitely don't do that. Sunday morning's fine. Don't come Sunday night. Don't come Wednesday night. Don't come to revival. And what we don't realize is he's little bit by little bit, he's diluting our life down to where we need God. We're so far away from him, we can't find him. Don't allow Satan to dilute your life because once you dilute something, you're headed for destruction. I think about next, and not only that, and I'll mention this quickly, and we're going to preach some of these, and the rest of them we'll save for a later time, but discord. Allowing situations to strain relationships. Verse number 7 of this text, the Bible says here, After this day, when there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanites and Pezzarites dwelled in the land. Brother Brandon, what started this whole thing? A fight, a battle. If there ever ought to be a time, and it's actually part of my meeting this morning, so you'll hear it again in just a second, if there's ever a time that as our church ought to be in harmony, and we are, and I'm thankful for that, but if there's ever a time we ought to be in one accord, and it's not a Honda, but just simply one accord, it ought to be this week at our church. Those young ones come in, they're looking for someone that is united, that is, that is longing to do together. When they see adults working with other adults, when they see ladies in the kitchen and they're getting along, because everybody knows when a lady has her kitchen, you don't mess, don't mess with nobody. But when they're all getting along, everybody's working. When men are, are working together, it'll change their life. They'll remember that forever. I remember my Bible schools. I remember my teen camps. But I'm telling you, discord. There was a certain strife. One of the most dangerous and destructive cancers in the modern-day church and the Christian life is that of discord. Sometimes we're more concerned about being first, best, or most desired, and we sell out our soul to gain, moment, to gain momentum. We can't win the loss for the fact we're so busy trying to prove why we're the best. Can I tell you this morning, the day that I'll be the greatest youth pastor I can be is when I quit trying to be like any other youth pastor in the world. Brother Brandon, the greatest day that I'll be the best Christian I can be is when I quit worried about trying to be like any other Christian in the world and just serve God with everything I've got. God will do more with my life. I've got more out of preacher's messages, Brother Evan, that nobody's ever heard of before because they simply were willing to be used of God. I don't need to allow Brother Harold Discord to ruin my life to lead me to destruction quickly not only that but dissatisfaction lot tells us malachi in this verse that he'd not be satisfied allowing the world of the enemy to draw your desires and your hungers towards pleasure verse number 10 and 11 i'm not gonna read them again tonight but there was a the de- by definition that word dissatisfaction is the state or attitude of not being satisfied discontent or displeasure a particular cause or feeling of displeasure or disappointment and every one of us struggle with this because every one of you every once in a while you're going to have on a new clothes or a new cell phone, or a new computer, or a new car, or something. You say, but Brandon, what is that? There's nothing wrong with having nice things, but it's like once we get something, we're automatically not satisfied. We were coming home last night from Jonesville. We went to eat at Theo's, and there's a new house being built right there close to Cross from uh, Prospect, and it's beautiful. I don't agree with the choice of color of the garage. They should went black garage doors, not brown, but either way, it looks good. I don't know who owns that house, but they need to get black garage doors. But it's beautiful from the road. I mean, it has got a solid black roof. Somebody may in here own that house. I'd like to look inside if you do. Come get me. But it's got a solid black roof. It's got like a whitish colored brick. It's got brown posts and brown garage doors. I'd have went with black to offset it. But either way, anyway, you can see Brother Allen. He can switch them out. But it's beautiful. You know the immediate thing I thought of thinking about, Brother Kevin, when I seen that house? If I ever build another house, I think that's the color I'm going to go with. Now, what's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with, with wanting things. But I get home, and God's blessed me with a house. And my house is brown. It has brown garage doors, but my shingles are brown, so it matches, so we're okay. But I begin to get home, Brother Kevin. I pull in the driveway, so you know what, Lord? I just need to be thankful for the house that I've got. But it's natural instinct to see something and want it. They don't park ugly trucks at the front of the dealerships. They don't put trucks that's got a million miles. They put something that looks good. They know how to draw your attention. My grandma, we went to eat with her this week, and Lord bless her, Brother Rodney. She's a QVC queen. 
she's got more stuff in her house that she's bought offline because somebody said it's the greatest crock pot in the world. And I love her to death. I mean, she's got all kind of stuff. She's got more lotions. Malachi had to go to the bathroom in her, in her, in her bathroom. We got in there, man. She's got enough ointment in there to cure the world. And uh, she may be watching this morning, and I love her, Brother Rodney, but you know I'm telling the truth. And if you want a fragrance of lotion, Bath and Body Works stocks from her house to get stuff. Why? We're always searching for something better. We're always searching for something newer. Can I tell you when you lead to destruction? We lead to destruction when we quit being satisfied with the things God's blessed us with. And Brother Allen, would I like to have a thousand people here this morning? Maybe. It's a lot more church problems, but maybe. Would I like to have a, a new sanctuary over here? Would I like for this to be a youth sanctuary? Would I like for there to be buses running the parking lot? Would I like for there to be multiple services? You can't get everybody in here? Maybe. But you know when God will start unlocking some of those things is when we come in here and say, God, I'm so thankful for what you blessed us with at Faith Community Baptist Church. God, I'm so thankful for our pastor, our deacons, our choir leader. I'm so thankful. If it never gets any better than this, God, we are so blessed. That is when God will start helping your life. But we live in a culture, Brother Evan, that says it's not good enough. There's always better. You're out of date. You're not worth it. A social media account that we watch by our likes and dislikes, we're always searching for something better. Can I tell you this morning, there's nothing wrong with striving better, but we're not allowed dissatisfaction to hinder us in our life. Can I tell you lastly this morning, and Miss Savannah, you come on to the piano, we're going to be done. I think about the five D's of destruction in Lot's life, distance, discord, deluding, all these things we've mentioned this morning, but lastly is doubt. So, Brother Brandon, it is common knowledge to doubt. It's, it's common practice to doubt sometimes. We say we believe God can do something, but we doubt him. Now, if I were to ask you this morning, how many of you believe that God could save, let's just throw out a big number, that God could save 40 young people this week. All of us, because we're in church, Brother Kevin, we'd say, well, I, I believe it, but do we really believe it? A lot of times we, we think, God, I would ask God for this, but I know it's not going to happen. I preach a message out of the story of, of Lazarus on if, when, and how. Sometimes we pray and we ask God if he can do it. We ask God when he's going to do it. And then when Lazarus is dead, they ask God, how are you going to do it? Can I tell you, a lot of times in our life, as she begins to play and we're closing, a lot of times in our life, we let doubt rob us and keep us in the will of God. Here in this text, and I'm paraphrasing this morning for sake of time, Abraham and Lot both had a lot of cattle. Let me make a statement. If you ain't got anything else, you get this. Look at me. Lot would have been better off, Brother Kevin, to sell everything he had, give it all away, just so he could stay with a man of God. Brother Brandon, there was too many cows. Sell them. Too many camels. Sell them. He'll live in poverty. Well, if you were to ask Lot today when his family's wife's gone and his daughters are committing incest inside of a cave, all this stuff's happened. Hey, would you rather have your family or would you rather have all your stuff? doubt they didn't he didn't maybe even abraham in this text didn't believe that god was able to meet their needs god never told him to go to egypt god never told him to separate this was all man orchestrated can i tell you if you're in a bad place in your life today maybe you come here i don't know everybody's story i don't know anything but my own but you say brother brandon i'm in destruction i'm in a mess more than likely one of the five words that i've said this morning has put you there distance from the house of god distance from church discord deluding Making something. Listen, we'll be against something until God, the, we'll be against something and the preacher can preach on whatever he wants to until it comes in our family. I've got family members. Let me be honest. I've got family members that's living in sin. And sometimes when the preacher starts preaching on that, it hurts my feelings or it may hurt somebody that say, man, I, I don't want him talking about my family. But can I tell you, there was a time that I was against it. There was a time that I stood against it. We ought to keep standing against it. Why is that? Because what Satan wants is for little bit by little bit, Brother Devin, for the Lord, for the Satan to lead us to destruction. Doubt. Not knowing, not wondering what God can do. Can I ask you this morning, are we headed for destruction? Destruction always leaves a mark. I thought about this morning, Brother Wayne, Jonestown, or Johnstown, Pennsylvania, it didn't look the same today as it did prior to 1889. If you go there, many of you may have been there, there's probably benches somewhere with somebody's family's name on it. There's probably museums where it used to be schools. There's probably going to be monuments where there used to be flower gardens or where there used to be local stores. Why is that? Because that devastation changed the layout of that entire town forever. Can I help you this morning with all my heart? Just a warning, just a roadblock. If I had that stop sign up here, I would just say, hey, listen, this morning, look up. We're going into Bible school. There's a lot of kids coming in. But let's check up on ourselves first. Are we staying close to God? Are we diluting the things of God? Are we protecting ourselves? Because if not, destruction's coming. We can learn a lot from the life of Lot. 
I'm thankful the Bible says he's a righteous man, but this morning he's taught us what happens when you don't heed to the deeds of destruction. We're standing, every head bowed and every eye closed as she's playing tonight. This morning you said, Brother Brandon, I just want to come this week and pray for Bible school. I just want to come this morning because I'm dealing with something. There's nobody going to judge you for coming to the altar. There's nobody going to blame you for coming to the altar by no means. But I will tell you this. If anybody's going to care about your life, it ought to be you. It ought to be us. Brother Brandon, nobody else cares about my life and nobody else cares about my family. Well, I wonder if you care enough this morning to come and ask God, hey, listen, in your seat, wherever you're praying, Lord, will you please help me? Will you please help me guard from these deeds of destruction? God, I know great things are ahead this week, and we thank you for that. I pray you bless us this morning, God, if we stand. God, this morning we fix them to dismiss. God, no doubt, God, in this message that's been preached here before, God, it may have been preached more eloquently the first time or more in depth the first time, God, but this morning this is simply the reminder that you laid on my heart late last night and early this morning to bring to the church, God, a reminder, a reflection of the life of Lot, a reflection of what happened, a reflection of his life. And I pray, God, for those, God, this morning. I'm thankful, God, for restoration. I'm thankful, God, for restoring, God, but I'm thankful, God, that we, if we stay close to the house of God, if we stay close to the things of God, if we don't allow deluding, if we don't allow discord, if we don't allow distance, if we don't allow all these things that Lot fell into to harm us, God, just maybe, God, you'll protect our family. God, you'll hold us close to the place of God. I pray for those this morning, God, that's battling things in their life, God, that's made decisions. I pray, God, that you'd help us, God, to know that there is restoration. God, but for those, God, that are young, little, listen to my ears, I pray they'd never, ever walk down that path. I pray, God, that they'd make good decisions, God, that they'd make right choices, God, that would keep them in the house of God and under the voice of the man of God. I pray for our pastor and his family again this morning. I thank you for what you're going to do in advance. As he's pray this morning, I ask that you keep your head bowed and your eyes closed this morning. I'm thankful that God offers instruction. I'm thankful for the warning signs that's been in my life. I'm thankful for the man of God that stood and told me when I was wrong. I thank you this morning for what God's going to do in our church this week. As he's pray and you contemplate where you are. Hello, friends. This is Brian Poindexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school, for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation, they prepare for retirement, they seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, and if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them, if you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sin. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.